0: Serving Crystal and my son, his name is Bill. In my youth, I followed Trotsky, and in truth, I follow him still. (laughs) But to call yourself a Bolshevik would fill the world with dread. So please don't call me a commie, call me a neocon instead. (laughs) Yes, we are the neoconservatives, we rule the world, says I. And that dumb Goy we call Georgie Boy doesn't understand how or why. <laughs> oh, we're marching into Syria, the fun has just begun. Comrade Trotsky would be proud to be known as a neocon. <laughs> to keep the Goyim pacified we wa- for watching their TV, We let them watch dumb Irishmen like Sean (laughs) O'Hannity Bill O'Reilly and Chris Matthews, they can lick our boots and sigh But to run the New World Order, no dumb Irish need apply (laughs) David Frum can excommunicate, the Paleo's from National Review For to be a neoconservative means to be one of a chosen few. Oh, we're marching into Syria, the fun has just begun. Comrade Trotsky would be proud to be known as a neocon. Hammurabi's tablets got busted during the looting in Iraq. But we're marching into Syria behind George Bush's back. They've got weapons of mass destruction, and they got them from Saddam Hussein. They got weapons of mass destruction. Oh, repeat once more the refrain. They got weapons of mass destruction. Oh, believe me, oh believe. If you want to know just where they are. They're hidden in Tel Aviv Oh, we're marching into Syria The fun has just begun Comrade Trotsky would be proud to be known as a neo Hello. And welcome to another episode of EMJ Live. It's a beautiful day in South Bend, Indiana. And you just heard my greatest hit. That uh, CD went triple platinum uh, with my band. Uh, the band broke up and we spent it all on cocaine. So I'm broke and back here doing this now. But it seems that, turns out that it was prophetic. Uh, hear that, write this song when Irving Crystal was still alive. Uh, when George Bush was ready to march into Syria. And it's still in the news. You can't get rid of this word, neoconservative. Okay, so uh, this past week we saw that uh, Tucker Carlson came back out of retirement His sh- after getting fired at uh, Fox News, has his own podcast now on Twitter, and he bounced back with two two new shows, the second one on the persecution of Donald Trump. What we found, however, is that uh, we're we're still uh, living in the same world dominated by the same vocabulary. Uh, Now, Tucker Carlson was the only reason uh, at that time to listen to mainstream news. Uh, God bless him for his courage to standing up on that. But now he's in a different situation and the old rules no longer apply. And so in thinking about this, I kept thinking about Tucker Carlson. God bless Tucker Carlson. But I kept coming up with this image uh, in my mind about the killer whale, the orca. You've seen them perform at uh, various places where sometimes they eat the young lady that they're supposed to be performing with. But that's part of the show, I guess, part of the risk of being a whale rider. Uh, and what happens is, you'll, verily, some animal rights group will come and say, we got a free Willie." And what they do is they send uh, Willie out and drop him off into the Pacific Ocean. And what happens is that Willie swims around in the same 80 foot circles that he's been swimming around for his entire life because he's internalized that category of the mind. He thinks he's still in that tank. Even though he can go anywhere he wants in the Pacific Ocean, he's totally free. But the categories of his mind make him go around in those 80 foot circles in the Pacific Ocean. The main category of the mind that dominates our discourse uh, to this day is the word neoconservative.
1: Mike Pence, Nikki Haley, Mike Pompeo, Lindsey Graham in the Congress. They all called Trump a visionary genius up until the moment he lost power. And then they unsheathed their real agenda, as always the neocon war agenda, and they piled on with maximum force.
0: Let's stop there. What's the neocon war agenda? Uh, uh, Well, that was Iraq, wasn't it? The the high watermark of the neoconservative uh, movement was the George W. Bush administration when people like paul wolfowitz got in charge and basically dragged america into a war to benefit israel uh, the war in iraq which took place in 2003 i stood by in disbelief thinking this can't be happening back then, 2003 uh, and it did and the net result of this war was basically israel was more precarious Uh, in a more precarious situation after the war than it was before because what they did was eliminate a secular state the baathist regime of saddam hussein and they put the shia uh, uh, ethnic group in power in iraq and at that point what formed was the the so-called shia crescent which began in iran went through iraq uh, went through Syria, went through Lebanon with Hezbollah, and ended up in uh, Gaza and the Left Bank, where they were getting missiles from the Iranians. This was the cunning of reason, classic example. But the point here is that uh, it was neoconservatism. That, that was a relevant turn back then, okay? Where did it come from? Term neoconservative was popularized in the United States during 1973 by the socialist leader. Michael Harrington, who used the term to define Daniel Bell, Daniel Patrick Moynihan, and Irving Kristol, the guy I just sang about, whose ideologies differ from Harrington's. The neoconservative label was used by Irving Kristol in his 1979 article, Confessions of a True Self-Confessed Neoconservative. His ideas have been influential since the 1950s when he founded and edited the magazine Encounter. So as of 1979, uh, there was a term that was fairly common in usage and it was called neoconservative. And Irving Kristol was his most uh, prominent representative. He used to say that a neoconservative was a, a liberal who had been mugged by reality. Uh, This moment in history was the dawn of a new era, the era of Reagan-Thatcher. And Irving Kristol tried to persuade his fellow Jews that it was a time to abandon the liberal ship and jump on the new bandwagon, the conservative bandwagon, uh, that would bring Reagan and Thatcher to power, which is exactly what happened one year after he did this article. Other prominent neoconservatives have done the same, did the same thing. Uh, If you read her memoir, Midge Dechter, wife of Norma Bedaritz, two of the other most prominent neoconservatives at the time, all of whom were associated with commentary magazine and all of whom wanted to become power brokers in the Republican Party. She talked in her memoir about how receptive the Republicans were to this Jews. Oh, wait a minute. I just brought a new word into the vocabulary. I forgot to say those three people are Jews. Okay. Did that have any relevance? Well, yeah, it did. Because what happened at this point over this period of time is that neoconservative became a code word for Jew. Uh, Now, if you're talking about the people at the time of 1979, leading into Ronald Reagan at the dawn of that era, it had relevance because it did people like uh, Irving Kristol we writing in places like commentary to persuade the Jews that they should abandon the Democratic Party because it was becoming increasingly racist, as example, as exemplified, uh, exemplified by Jesse Jackson, who was the villain in that essay that uh, was just mentioned. Come over to the Republicans and Mitch Decker in a memoir said the Republicans were just happy to have us. Well, they were happy because the Jews, whenever they come to an operation like this, they always bring a lot of money with them. And the Republicans wanted their money. And that's what happened. And then the Jews got paid back by uh, the era of leveraged buyouts, uh, the Folker era, uh, where labor was killed. The first thing Reagan did when he came to office was uh, uh, break the back of the traffic controller's strike to show where his true sympathies lay at that moment in history. And then uh, that went into recession with the uh, Bill Clinton administration. You didn't hear about a lot about neoconservatives, and then it became a kind of cuss word because when the Iraqi war went sour, uh, you know, it was all blamed on neoconservatives. Uh, well, that had some relevance then, but the problem is it has no relevance now. It has no relevance now because the people who uh, are be who need to be criticized are in no way, shape or form. Conservatives doesn't fit into the pattern that uh, Irving Kristol established back then. Uh, one of whom's, what she says here. Uh, this is the nation which was not of the neoconservative persuasion. Uh, finally, this is Crystal. Neoconservatives look upon family and religion as indispensable pillars of a decent society. Now, was he sincere? I think he was sincere. I think that he was married to the same woman, uh, Gertrude Himmelfarb, who did a lot of interesting work on the Victorian revival. Uh, I think she had a big, uh, 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 the Methodist uh, moral revival in England that took place during the Victoria era, Victorian era. I think she had an influence on. Irving uh, got him to read people like uh, uh, Burke, uh, Edmund Burke, the great English conservatism. And there was Irving trying to build a bridge between British English conservatism and the Jewish constituency that he didn't understand. I, I hate to say this. But Irving should have read the Jewish revolutionary spirit because he doesn't understand his own people. Now, that's as arrogant as I've ever been in my entire life but having just finished a book of essays uh, by Irving Kristol uh, I think it's true he didn't he thought that uh, the the world he grew up in which is going uh, going to a public school in Brooklyn uh during the 1930s when all of those kids jew and gentile alike would sing christmas carols uh, because it was christmas uh, could continue and it couldn't continue. And he nails it when he said after the war, it was the Jewish agencies that led the attack on Christian America. This is Crystal saying this. And, of course, the the, the really, uh, they made a march through the Supreme Court. Uh, Leo Pfeffer of the American Jewish Committee was the lawyer for the, uh, 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 the, brown, uh, the school board, Babington School Board shemp versus abington school board which banned uh prayer in school and it went on and on from there and in a sense irving was left behind but he saw at the moment maybe we'll have a comeback uh during the 1970s uh and they did in a sense uh but now we're way past that as well we are now into a totally new era so but the words still keep being used Let's give some more examples of the word being used here. These are all, by the way, all people I respect. I'm not talking about anybody here that is not worth listening to. Go ahead, run the next clip.
2: poll in Poland, which puts popular support in Poland for Poland actually entering the war in that kind of way at around zero. But neocons never worry too much about that sort of thing. If they can lean on the governments of these countries to do it, they will do everything they can.
0: Okay, now let's stop there for a second. We're talking about right now, we're talking about the yesterday or last week or something like that. If neocons can lean on the government, what's he talking about? Who is he talking about? Let's be specific here because once again, we have this word that is a category of the mind. It's like deplorables when Hillary Clinton is talking about it. It's like secularizing activists, as uh, Bishop Chaput said in a First uh, Things article. Who are these neocons? What's he talking about? Neocons in the Biden administration? There's not a conservative anywhere near the Biden administration. This has nothing to do with conservatives. The only person that he could possibly be talking about is Anthony Blinken. He's the secretary of state. Now, whether he does it in person or whether he delegates uh, someone else to go to Poland and lean on somebody, uh, that's who we're talking about. Well, Anthony Blinken's not a a conservative. He's a liberal. The conservatism is dead. It no longer exists as a movement, in spite of what John John Zmirak is the the capo over the empty concentration camp known as conservatism. Uh, everybody left the concentration camp a long time ago, uh, and the, I can date it specifically. It was the date that this happens. Was Donald Trump got elected president? That was the end of conservatism, because conservatives like Robbie George uh, issued a statement from the bastion of National Review, excommunicating him, and then he went and became president anyway. It's over. This word this word has no meaning anymore. Well, what does? Why do they use it? Well, it's very simple. It's a euphemism for Jew. It's a word. This is the boundary line of acceptable discourse in our day. This is the 80-foot tank. Remember the 80-foot tank that the orcas swimming around in? Well, Tucker has been released into the Pacific Ocean and he's still swimming around that 80-foot circle and the proof of it is he uses the word neoconservative or neocon. There are there is no such thing. It's over. It's been over for, for 30, for at least 20 years now. It's, it's, it's a meaningless term. Now, the Jews know this. And so it was, I think it was Bill Kristol wrote a funny, and I might've been David Brooks. I I think now it was David Brooks wrote a funny, I think, uh, column in the New York Times giving the etymology of neocon. Neo means new and con means Jew. Ah, That was funny. This is kind of the inside joke that they had this crowd that got us into that wretched war in Iraq and now has gotten into us into another wretched war. Uh, They would also joke a joke about being of the neoconservative persuasion, which was a kind of uh, way of uh, circumlocution about people. uh, You did not want to say the word Jew because polite people never said that word. So you'd say of the Jewish persuasion. Well, these are people, I guarantee you that Anthony Blinken is not of the neoconservative persuasion. This is a term that has to be retired because if it's not retired, we are going to go on and on and on and around and around in circles and we'll never get to the issue, which is exactly what happened here. With
3: the, uh, the sax. What? The sax clip?
0: Yeah. Now, uh, that was Alex Mercurius, his buddy, uh, Alexander Cristoforo. Uh, Together, they run the Duran, which is a great source of information on the war uh, in the Ukraine. Uh, I've been listening to them faithfully for over a year now. And so in this time, the Duran brought on Jeffrey Sachs. Jeffrey Sachs uh, is uh, famous uh, for being the man who uh, basically privatized Russia. He was at the elbow of Boris Yeltsin, who was president of the newly formed uh, Russian Federation. Uh, His job was to stay drunk uh, for the entire time that Jeffrey Sachs orchestrated the looting of the uh, natural resources of that uh, country. Now to his credit, I think that Jeffrey Sachs has undergone a conversion of sorts. I think I know the guy, I think a Jesuit was responsible this he hasn't come into the Catholic faith uh, so far as I know, but he's now trying to be a truth teller in terms of the oligarchic control. So here we have a discussion, uh, uh, I, which I clicked on, which I thought this is going to be a really interesting discussion because I respect all three of these people. And it turns out it was disappointing disappointing in its vagueness because it's defined. Now, the, the word neocon didn't come up in this conversation, as far as I could tell. I, I, I'm afraid that uh, the, the Greeks didn't want to bring it up because they might offend Jeffrey Sachs, who is uh, of the Jewish persuasion. Uh, I'm sure he wouldn't have been offended if they had said that, but it, it didn't come up. And so uh, as a result, the conversation lost even that tenuous connection to reality even that tenuous connection to reality. And so it was a disappointing uh, discussion. And to be, uh, I, I hate to say this, but I'm not the only guy who noticed this. So I'm listening to the discussion. I'm feeling, feeling more and more disappointed. And suddenly things start popping up on the screen.
1: By the way, Stoltenberg, who really, is someone I've known for a long time, and he is up. Oh, I can't even say it publicly anymore what i think about him okay
0: now let me let me just read this here for those of you who can't read or don't have your glasses what is the reason for the long delay in getting emj on duran is it fear of censorship disagreement understandable but disappointing you two are on the front lines of rational dissent logic make it happen don't make me beg out of the blue this comes here i'm not alone here thinking that this discussion is not really getting down to the realities of the situation and so okay thank you Rafik, for bringing that up i have no idea who he is i've never met him uh i'm grateful for him doing that because it brought a fresh, a brush uh a fresh air a little bit of reality into the discussion it wasn't the last time it happened
1: either so continue here oh i used to be friends with him when he was prime minister of norway disgusting but today he says you know we can't look soft because china china will see us looking soft this is the way to get us all killed by the way nuclear weapons to germany and we have that today we have Zelensky sometimes saying okay. maybe okay should-
0: once again here we got the other and one more suggestion can you do a panel discussion with jay Sachs, scott ritter and colonel mcgregor uh bring in e- emj too but that's probably a bit much Okay, at this point, the discussion. uh, Sachs is bringing up the fact that he's talking about Blinken. Um, It's obvious that he's talking about Blinken. He's not talking about uh, Irving Kristol. This is about Blinken because Blinken is. We're talking about the failure of diplomacy, and he says to, uh, 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 but he says Joe Biden. Okay, Joe Biden doesn't run anything. He's lucky if he can find his way to the men's room. okay? he's not in control. Who's in control of the Biden administration? I've written an article about it. It's Biden's minion. They're the words that the Jewish press used when they wrote a story about the fact that every key position in the Biden administration is controlled by a Jew who is not, I guarantee you, a neoconservative. There's nothing conservative at all about the Biden administration. And if you keep using that term, you're going to obfuscate that issue and lead everyone down a blind alley. Okay, that's precisely what was happening with the discussion. So at one point, Jeffrey Sachs says, Joe, pick up the phone. Well, wait a minute. It's not Joe's business. He's got a secretary of state to do that. The one thing that characterizes Anthony Blinken is his inability to talk to anyone. He swaggers into the room. And the first thing he says is, I have relatives who died in the Holocaust. Now, as soon as you say that, any diplomatic exchange goes out the window and you're going to have war. So what you have is Blinken, who uh, was a warmonger in Iraq, uh, uh, formulated the uh, policy for Syria, another war formulated the policy for afghanistan which is a total debacle and rout of american forces who left all this military equipment behind after 20 years of wasted effort and who is now the main cheerleader for the war in the ukraine so you can find a picture of him shaking hands with Zelensky, and what you're seeing here is basically this is a jewish operation it's not neoconservative it's jewish for God's sake, when are we going to start talking honestly? When is T- Tucker knows this? He knows who went after him. He knows the reason he got fired. It was the ADL because Megan Kelly told him. And when he heard that, she, he said, fuck the ADL. So he knows what they're talking about. So is he going to continue to swim around in these 80 foot circles? Talk about UFOs? You can, you can talk about anything you want, Tucker. So you're going to talk about UFOs and not the ADL? Anyway. One more, one more. What's what's the last? Go, go to that next clip. All right. I think it's just at the end of the one we were dealing with.
1: You have nukes and uh, others saying the same thing. Well, this is a, a sure way to end the world if we start uh, with that. OK, um, but- so
0: now someone else joins in. I can only think of E. Michael Jones, an American Catholic professor that talks about the neocons of a particular tribe. So it's not just me, fellas. I mean, I I hope the Greeks read their own super chats. But the question is, are you afraid to talk about the real issues now? The answer is probably yes. Because uh, they are uh, avid to stay on uh, YouTube. And if if people go after them, they might lose YouTube. But that's the bind we're all in right now. Uh, But we can't look, we're not going to get anywhere if we keep rehearsing obsolete categories like neocon. We got to break free of this. Otherwise, Colonel McGregor, I think uh, he he and I both grew up in the same place. He went to Penn Charter. He's a year older than me. He went to Penn Charter, which is not far from LaSalle High School where I went. Okay, he said that uh, the neocons have their hands on the steering wheel and they're going to drive the car over the cliff. Well, I said that too, but I said it's the Jews who have their hands on the steering wheel, which I think is a more accurate uh, statement of the situation. And we are not going to get anywhere until we start naming names and dealing with categories of reality. Just look at uh, what happened to Robert F. Kennedy's campaign. And you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, that's my rant. Uh, Let's hear what you have to say.
3: All right, uh, now for the chat section of the show. Uh, Hi, my name is Mike Bajakis. I'm Dr. Jones' assistant. Uh, Call-ins are made via our Telegram channel, and the link is in the descriptions for those watching on our various streams. Uh, In the Telegram, we'll call on those who raise their hand. And later in the stream, we're going to read off texts uh, from Cozy. Our no-paid super chats. try to keep questions on subject, try to keep to one question, be respectful of time, and whatever you do, do not forget to unmute yourself. All right. Let's go to Telegram. Let's see. Future minority.
0: Go, go ahead.
1: Hey, Dr. Jones. I just wanted to say thanks for all you do. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you. Thank you.
1: Uh, I wanted to know in all of your vast knowledge of history, who you would crown, who you'd give the award of the greatest Shabbos Goy of all time to. Thanks.
0: Winston Churchill.
3: Uh, all right, okay, Winston Churchill. And why is that, Doctor Jones? If you if you want to divulge into that,
0: uh, in terms of greatness, everybody acknowledges him as a great figure. Uh, he basically wrecked Europe for the Jews during the 20th century. Uh, World War One, World War Two. His father was uh, died in debt. Rand- Randolph died in debt, uh, 70,000 pounds to uh, Natty Rothschild. Uh, they forgave the debt and they earned, uh, he became their Shabbos Goy. Churchill became their Shabbos Goy. And he couldn't control his uh, expenditures any better. And so Lord Strakoff had to bail him out at a certain point. And he was there to do whatever the bidding of the Jewish revolutionary spirit was at that time including uh, the creation of the state of israel
3: all right let's go to quentin Hessler. heisler go ahead
0: dr jones can you hear me i can
3: how are you i'm doing fine thank you so much so i have just uh started an isis rising and so i'll be honest with you just the title and such. At first, I'm like, oh, this must be some overlap to uh, sexual persona. Camille Paula, a little did I know there's, um, uh, your, the worldviews are, I mean, other than Dionysus, there's not much commonality. I've read sexual persona. What are some problems you might see with her, um, dichotomy of the Apollonian and the Dionysian? Well, first off, it doesn't include logos, or at least not ostensibly. And yeah, just what's, What are the um gripes you may have with that pagan um dialectic
0: are you talking about nietzsche's appropriation of the apollonian and dionysian and the birth of tragedy is that what you're talking about
1: yes now my introduction to that was through pollia but i think that's where she got it from as well
0: yeah well Nietzsche's the one who who made it famous uh it disappears by the end of his life he's a devotee of dionysus The, the apollonian just disappeared so what starts off as a kind of scholarly treatise with two forces. Well, the Apollonia just disappears. And by the end, it's uh, a, a battle between Christ and, and, uh, and uh, Dionysus. That's the way he saw it. And that's uh, that's uh, what he was proposing. That's what he acted on. So it, it disappears very quickly. It's not a, it's not a construct that he takes seriously and works diligently to give you the Apollonian side. It's a pretext, it's a straw man to, allow, to set the stage for allowing what he really wants to talk about, which is dying uh, for sexual excess and destroying Christian European culture in the process.
1: Thank you so much. You're welcome.
3: All right, next we have Amy Smith, go ahead hello dr jones hello i was just if you have any thoughts on why rfk might have caved in rfk jr might have caved in to the israel agenda and just what i mean it'd be speculative but what what kind of strings do you think are used we saw with the epstein apparatus you know and the likelihood that that is tied to blackmail operations and i just wonder how big a part of the Public discourse that is, and then if the best thing we can do in the face of that is be aware of that and try to do as much direct communicating with people one on one in our local communities. Thank you so much. Yes,
0: but what what again was the the issue you're talking about? I didn't understand it. Well, RFK
3: Jr. Oh, kind RFK of RFK
0: Jr. Oh, oh yeah, okay. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't agenda. Hear yeah, I've been watching him. I've been watching him, and, and the, I just watched the. Uh, the Glenn Greenwald uh, interview, that's the latest thing. But before that, the, the reason for the interview was basically uh, someone uh, he had previously praised w- Roger Waters in a text. And then suddenly the, the Jew showed up at his door. Uh, Shmuley boutique, Rabbi, shows up at his door and he caves, he, he folds like a cheap suit. He says, I. But why I- do you think? Why do you think? because he hasn't thought through his position. That's why, because he entered. But you don't think he's
3: compromised or blackmailed no, he, or look, something?
0: Look, I mean, he said, I have so many skeletons in my closet that it's not going to be worth right. it for you to talk about. So everybody knows okay. everybody knows that RFK led the Kennedy lifestyle, you know, wine, women and songs, except part right. of that was heroin, women and songs, whatever. Uh, And we all all know that and we all decided to give him a second chance because if you could avenge the death of your father and your uncle, that would be a great uh, act. And if you can show that the assassination of John S. Kennedy was a coup d'etat that installed a new regime, that would be a great act and and we're willing to follow you on that. Uh, um, But uh, he didn't do it. So suddenly he realizes, well, wait a minute, I have to have a position on all kinds of stuff. So the first thing he caves in on is abortion. I'm pro-choice, he says, because I'm a Democrat. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Was your father pro-choice? He had 11 kids, didn't he? Are you telling me that he was uh, somehow uh, uh, arranging abortions at that time? That he would have been in any way, in any conceivable way, pro-abortion? The answer is no. That is impossible. And so you just destroyed, you just spat on the legacy of your father, the man who had 11 children, the Catholic, the the, the devout Catholic who had all those kids. He then went on to say, uh, I support Israel's right to exist. Why did you say that? Uh, Why didn't Israel support your uncle's right to exist? They had a role to play in the assassination of John F. Kennedy because he was going to make sure that they didn't, that Ben-Gurion wasn't able to open the Dimona nuclear reactor and build atomic weapons. He was the only man who stood in the way of that and suddenly, hey, someone shot him. Not saying they did it alone. I think the CIA was involved. Okay. But this is the type of, wait a minute. There's a lot of water over the dam. 60 years of water over the dam since your uncle was assassinated. And we've been living under uh, uh, a, an alien regime for all of that time. And it's time to undo that. Now, Donald Trump uh, tried it in his way. And he realized that the entire establishment, the entire deep state was against him. So uh, all I can say is, you know, uh, Bobby, I think, he, you know, he understood that there was something wrong. Uh, with big pharma he understood there was something wrong with the vaccines well you're right you're right okay but to say that you this is medical malfeasance to claim that you're against medical malfeasance and big pharma and at the same time saying you're supporting abortion is completely incoherent you can't say that that makes no sense and that's when the thing started to unravel and that's when glenn greenwald went after him about throwing Roger waters under the bus And that's led to that kind of heated uh, discussion back and forth. You know, you can't pretend that the world is the same as it was in 1963. We all wish that Kennedy had not been assassinated. We all wish that he could have gone on to collaborate with Nikita Khrushchev and bring peace to the world. But the fact is, it didn't happen. And the people who killed them are now in power. And the people who killed them have been involving us in one war after another to this day, to the war in the Ukraine, where Blinken is ready to take us to the brink of nuclear holocaust because he has relatives who died in Auschwitz. Bobby, you're out of your depth. You really have to get in touch with reality. Thank you. God bless. Thank you.
3: All right. Next, we have. Let's see, Jesse Engel. Go ahead, Jesse. Are you there, Jesse? Don't forget to unmute.
2: Hi there. Can you hear me? I can. Oh, great. Um, thanks for taking my call. Um, I I have uh, just a well, kind of two questions in one, I guess. Um, So Catholics um, used to be, I'm Catholic, and as I understand it, Catholics used to be able to kind of control the decency of movies. Um, They had some say in what was published. And um, at some point, somehow, I I imagine you know why, um, but Catholics lost power in the US. And um, I guess one half of my question is, what opportunities do you see, if any, for Catholics to regain control of any aspect of the culture war in America? And in particular, um, for those of us like myself, Catholics who work in jobs where upper management promotes Pride Month, replaces Columbus Day with Indigenous People's Day. and, And it's kind of seemingly trying to erase western culture you know and, and sort of pushing the new secular right. religion what can we do as catholics in these kinds of jobs okay. if okay. anything to resist Good. and subvert their their efforts
0: okay so the answer answer to your first question it happened in 1965 1965 is the last year of the uh, vatican council 1965 is the year in which the Catholic Church promulgated Nostra Aetate, and in that it says that the Church opposes all forms of anti-Semitism, but never tells us what anti-Semitism is. So what are we going to do? You do everything that the ADL tells you to do? Uh, we don't know as Catholics because they never defined the term, and they're going to have to do it eventually because what they embarked upon was 60 years of Catholic Jewish dialogue, as a result of which is they lost every single battle in the culture wars. For 60 years, beginning with the collapse of the Legion of Decency, because, and they they did that with a film called uh, The Pawnbroker, which was a Holocaust film. The Holocaust is the uh, invincible weapon that will destroy any opposition. This is what Anthony Blinken says when he enters into debate, discussions with the Russians. I have relatives who died in the Holocaust. We did last week, uh, uh, Henry Morgenthaler, the jew who gave abortion to canada was spent years uh killing babies in illegal clinics with impunity the law couldn't touch him because as soon as a cop came near him he'd pull up his sleeve and he'd say that tattoo is from auschwitz so you get out of my way you go back home and let me do what i'm doing this has been the recipe for cultural decline in the west for 60 years now almost 60 years now and it's got to stop. It won't stop until the church wakes up one of these days and realizes uh, it's not a sin to criticize Jews. As a matter of fact, what the church has done is committed the sin of omission for 60 years by not criticizing Jews, by giving them carte blanche to spread whatever revolutionary poison they want to. Pornography, abortion, the fundamental Jewish value transgenderism, gay marriage, you name it, wars in the Middle East, the war in the Ukraine, all because the Catholic Church is committing this sin of omission. So what can you do? So I got a call today from a lady who lives in a, 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 what should I say, assisted living home in California. They got a Democrat club and they got a Republican club, the Democrat club because of the de facto alliance between them and the Jews has invited a representative of the ADL to come to this nursing home and talk about hate. So she said, uh, do you have someone here? I said, no, I don't have someone there. Well, you're in South Bend. Yeah, I can't fly out to San Francisco. I said, you're going to have to do it. You know the story. You're going to have to stand up to this bully from the ADL and say, who gave you the right to define hate. You're guilty of hate speech. Who gave you the right to wreck anybody's life? Who elected you king of the United States so that your word is law throughout here? Who gave you the right to destroy the career of Kanye West or any any number of others? Who gave you the right, you the ADL, to get Tucker Carlson fired? And I'm saying to this lady in the nursing home, you're going to have to do it. Because you're right there. And as soon as you start speaking up, as soon as everybody there starts speaking up, their power is going to disappear. It's not going to disappear overnight because it didn't come into existence overnight. But we are now in the last ditch. And it's up to us to stand up to these bullies and say, we're not going to take any more of this ADL terrorism. Who who, who says you speak for all Jews? Who said that? There's a video I just saw of Jeff Steinberg, back in the 80s, exposing the ADL. He was a, he's a Catholic now, but he was a Jew then, and he took him to task. Do you speak for Jeff Steinberg? No, no, you don't speak for anybody but Jonathan Greenblatt. And who's he? We got to stand up to these people and say we're not going to take it anymore. This is over. the 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 statute of limitations is over. The shelf life of this i have relatives who died in the holocaust the shelf life has expired we're not going to allow you to run roughshod over us now anymore all right, thank you you're welcome
3: all right next we have let's see row go ahead row ro are you there ro? don't forget to unmute No.
0: Hello. There he is. Hello. Can you hear me? I can. Sorry. Um, Dr. Jones, I'm just wondering, did you have any early
3: family formation that inculcated wisdom about Jews into you or did you only learn it maybe during the Kroll book or, you know, when did you become Jew wise?
0: When when the uh, America invaded Iraq in 2003. That's the and first Did you that, believe? That's, that's, when, that's when I started. That's when I realized these people have taken over our government. I, 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 I've been thinking about my, my own life. I'm going, I, I've said before if a Catholic woman has an abortion and she doesn't take advantage of the sacrament of confession, which is always available, she becomes a Jew. And I said, the proof is the election of Josh Shapiro in Pennsylvania, as governor of Pennsylvania. After I said that, I started to think, you know what? I think I became a Jew. I became a Jew when I was a teenager. When I was a a late teenager, when I went to college, there was a Catholic priest there who introduced me to the art world of Philadelphia, which was Jewish. And I started working for a Jewish artist uh, by the name of Sam Mayton. He's gone to his wherever, his eternal reward, whatever it is. Uh, And part of that job was just sitting there, you show up on Saturday morning, you got to clean out the studio, you got to do whatever he wants you to do. But it begins with a long discussion. So I sat there and we talked, you know, oftentimes way longer than he should have allowed me to talk. He should have sent me down to the basement and gotten to work. But we talked and we talked and we talked. And I was this is the first time I'm really confronted with the, the Jewish worldview. And I have to say it was convincing. And then on top of that, I, I'm a, an aspiring writer. So that's the art world. The art world in Philadelphia was controlled by Jews. I ended up working for two Jewish ladies who had a gallery. I did, uh, shows. I would hang shows in synagogues, the Frank Lloyd Wright synagogue on York road, I held the show there and then I got involved. I wanted to be a writer. So I got involved with a guy, just random guy puts an ad in the paper, creative writing teacher. I go, he's a Jew and I have this deep relationship with with him over the years and it, it, he's it was like uh, i kept thinking of uh, stephen daedalus and and the bloom in ulysses that's what it reminded me of uh and he was you know we, was we were friends we were close friends and then he went crazy because of the life that he was leading you know a life of drugs and promiscuity all the you know the 60s lifestyle he was about 20 years older than me but he was heavily involved in it And then one point he just woke up and he just couldn't take it anymore. Cuts out, goes to California, is coming back, has a stroke, can't talk anymore. Well, this was his life. You know, if you can't talk. And so what he did was he ended up killing himself. And I remember going to the funeral, uh, one of the saddest funerals I've ever gone to because there was no hope there. What hope was there? He's going to be saved by uh, being a devotee of Philip Roth or something like that. I mean, I'm sure he would have held Roth in contempt. But anyway, it was a sad point. And at that point, I I just realized uh, this is this is crazy. I didn't have a solution. It was only when I went to Germany that I came back to the faith, and that was 1973, uh, by the grace of God. And that's 50 years ago, 50 years ago. almost to the day I was packing my bags to go to Germany and that's what brought me back to the face. So what I'm saying here is that I think I became a Jew for about five years of my life uh, and so I know it from the inside. It's but I didn't understand it. It's one of those things where you, you live it and because you live it you don't understand it and it was only till 2003 and it was largely because of hanging around with people like Tom Fleming and Paul Gottfried and people like that that I understood The word neoconservative because he had created the word paleoconservative and it was in tom fleming's living room i'm talking to paul godfrey a jew and he says to me you're you're all you goy you're all bunch of pussies because you're too afraid to talk about the jews now this is a jew who told me this he had been screwed Mm -hmm. by the by the the neocons, by Podaritz and company. Uh, They prevented him from getting an endowed chair at Catholic University, and he hated them. And this was, so I'm in the middle now of an intra-Nissan Jewish battle that I didn't even know existed. And that was when my eyes were opened, and that's when I started to write The Jewish Revolutionary Spirit. And believe me, after reading Irving Kristol, all I can say is, Irving, you should have read The Jewish Revolutionary Spirit because it's a better explanation of the Jews than you have. You don't understand your own people. Anyway, did that answer your question or did I just get? It, it's a good answer. Just one sub point. Did you have any reluctance to accept your conclusions and did you no. reject them
3: no. and have to come back to them at No, different times? absolutely
0: not. Absolutely not. So I'm there in Germany. Uh, I meet this guy who's going to teach me English. uh guy who's nine years younger than me. He's a teenager. He's like 17 years old. I'm 25 years old. Uh, and he he hands, comes in and he, he says uh, that the school was being, the religious order gave it up and it's going to be a public school. They're cleaning out the library and he shows up and he says, here's a book. It was like right out of St. Augustine, you know, the confessions, Tole, Lege. This is a book. It's the only book in uh, the library that's in English. And it's Thomas Merton's Seven Story Mountain. So I read it and I just... On the spot, I just said, he's right and I'm wrong. I just had this conviction that I wanted to be a a literary man. I gave that up when they when they lowered Bob Summers into the grave. I said, this is crazy. I'll never do it. Okay, I got to do something else. I'll become a teacher or something like that. And then when I read Thomas Merton, I realized this was a literary man and he gave it up and I'll never be as good as him. And so I gave it up. That's it. It's over. And then I said, Well, I just have to become a teacher. So then I get the job, I get a temp back to temple, I get a PhD, get a job at a Catholic university, I'm ready to start, and I got fired because I'm against abortion. And so guess what I ended up doing? I became a writer. So all I can say is very good. God has a plan. That's it. Thanks very much. You're welcome.
3: All right, we're gonna do like uh one or two more and then yeah. we'll jump to the chat and yeah. get cozy. All right, let's go with uh UNC. Uh go ahead, UNC.
0: Hi, Dr. Jones. Yes. I'm a huge fan. I'm one of the uh Goyan Defense League guys, and uh you know us, we're the foot soldiers out here trying to raise awareness about these Jews. Right. And uh, I just wanted to, I wanted to ask you since last week. Uh, we keep foot soldiering out here and raising awareness and get enough of a grassroots groundswell of awareness of this Jewish problem.
2: Would you consider running for POTUS in 2028, maybe?
0: Or maybe what? praying and saying that that's something you could do? You wouldn't, you wouldn't I can, ask God I can, to, I can, I can, to, I to guide my- you on that? i consider running for dog catcher uh, in <laughs> South Bend, Indiana, and after about two seconds, I'd say, "No, you'll never get you'll never get elected. No, I'm not going to run for president of the United States. No, absolutely not." I'm a, I'm a huge fan. Thanks, Dr. Thank Jones. You. I was thank born you. and raised in Elkhart, Indiana. I'm right down the road from Elkhart, Indiana, right downstream. Yeah, no, no, I'm upstream. No, I'm downstream, downstream <laughs> from Elkhart, Indiana. Thank you.
2: Yeah, thank you, sir. All
3: right, we'll do uh, one quick more here, and then we'll jump to Cozy. Let's go to um, Rockwell was right. Go ahead, Rockwell was right.
2: Hey, Dr. Jones. It's a pleasure to speak with you. I've been listening to you since 2014, and you've really baptized my intellect. So thank you for that, sir. You're welcome. Uh, I was just going to ask, and it's, you know, it's it's really surprising that one of the GDL guys just asked a question. But what do you think about shocking, shocking tactics of um, propaganda and persuasion? Because it seems like you don't really get anywhere with with a linear, um,
0: you know, linear I, accounts. Well, of how, that. how many how many times have I said, don't hand out spears and tell people to charge the machine gun nest? How many times have I said that? Right. I think that the 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 the, uh, the the GDL tactics down in Florida led to the most draconian hate speech bill in uh in American history, and uh, Ron DeSantis signed it into law in in Jerusalem. So, I, yeah, was was that counterproductive? Well,
2: well, it makes me wonder what would, would that not have happened anyway at some point, and is it more? worthy to have the persuasive flyers the aesthetically captivating flyers i mean who's to say right
0: well i think we need to have prudence we need to have prudence and prudence is not charging the machine gun nest, waving a spear so uh, I've, I've said this about operation rescue in the past i think that we have to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves now what that means in practical circumstances is something we're all going to have to decide and i'm saying that uh you know prudence is the key you have to understand the truth and then you have to act on the truth don't act unless you understand something don't just act out of anger or this sounds like a good idea i think it has to go deeper than that
2: thank you for your answer and uh thank
3: you for all your work dr jones thank you all right uh now we go to cozy so guys on cozy start uh Typing in those questions, I'm going to scroll here a little bit and try to find a good one, let's see. Um, Ah, uh, From Catulus on Cozy, Uh, question, Dr. Jones, uh, what can you say about the protocols of the Elders of Zion? Is it a
0: hoax? Good question. Some people say it is, some people say it isn't. The people, even the people who say it is a hoax say there must be some element of truth here uh, because it seems so well written and so prophetic. So, uh, uh, until I do the work, the research on the work, uh, uh, and write something on it myself, I'm just going to have to leave it at that That point.
3: All right. Uh, from Zoomer Will, uh, question. What economists outside of the Austrian slash Chicago school could you suggest reading?
0: I don't recommend the Austrian school at all. Uh, It's an ideology. It's Jewish economics. Murray Rothbard's book is Jewish economics. I don't recommend it at all. This is the backbone of libertarianism and the whole crooked operation that Father Sirica runs out of the Acton Institute up in in Michigan. Uh, I don't recommend the Chicago School at all. Milton Friedman is the same type of thing. This is Jewish economics. Uh, it's it, 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 Murray Rothbard said, when we have uh, when we have deflation, my ducats swell. It's like right out of the mouth of Shylock. OK, there is no one that I can recommend other than Heinrich Pesch. And no one is ever going to read Heinrich Pesch, uh because the translation to, of his book, his magnum opus, is cost $1,300. Even Notre Dame Library is not going to spend that much money on it. And that is why I wrote... Uh, Barren Metal, The History of Capitalism, as the uh, conflict between labor and usury. This is my tribute to Heinrich Pesch, it is my attempt to keep what I think is the centrality of Catholic economic thought in existence, uh, in circulation, so that people can eventually act on it. Uh,
3: Let's see, where was it, it was a good question. It was, uh, there it is, okay, from Dr. Dan Uncosi. um Dr. Jones, uh, uh, are we who are listening slash watching this podcast being tracked by the FBI?
0: I hope they have better things to do than this. I mean, God knows what the FBI is going to do. They're, they're involved in all sorts of weird schemes. Uh, and if they are, so what? What are they gonna do? They're gonna arrest me for saying what I said here? Uh, good luck, fellas. Okay, I'll, t- I'll tell you how the FBI works. Okay, you got a small operation like these losers from some trailer park in western Michigan. Uh, they have a 122 rifle, uh, there are five of them. They have 122 rifle and three bullets, and they're going to overthrow the government because they get high, smoking dope and drinking booze, and they start saying all kinds of crazy, the kind of crazy shit that people say when they get drunk or high. So at this point, the FBI becomes involved. They send about a couple agents there, and the agents then provide them with uh, real weapons and explosives, and then they arrest them. That's called, the, it's the hoodery, the, the group was called the hoodery uh, and uh, the trial went for about 15 minutes. They were all acquitted because of entrapment. They did it again, and this time, they, for some reason, they persuaded a jury that it was for real, and so a couple people went to jail When a crazy plot to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer and row her out to the middle of the Lake Michigan. Okay, so you want you can go also to the COINTELPRO Pro operation about against the Black Panthers in um, um, Chicago. They did a movie on it. It's called Judas and the False Messiah, something like that. Watch the movie. Uh, The story is real. Uh, And basically, what did he do? What did he do? He got those people to buy guns niggers with guns that's serious and so we bought got them guns put them in the kool-aid they drank it put barbiturates in the kool-aid they got they fall asleep the local cops chicago cops come in and they kill them all what is the common denominator here it's guns read the article in the may issue of culture wars about rainbow farm and that poor poor guy you know, he thought he had the right he has a rainbow farm. He's growing pot on this farm in Michigan. Uh, he thinks he has the right. It's his property uh, to carry a gun. So he's marching around his property holding a gun. Well, he does have the right to do that. And also the FBI has a right. They crawl onto the campus and camouflage and they kill him. And nothing ever happens because dead men tell no tales. And they said he lowered his rifle. We'll never know where that happened. That's what the FBI said. A friend of mine, a late friend of mine who was the folk mus- music guy in South Bend, he was in South, uh, Notre Dame University. I think it was probably 1965, something like that. He's got long hair. He looks like a hippie, only a few people. Everybody else is a crew cut at this time at Notre Dame. So a guy in a suit comes up to him and says to him, kid, are you a revolutionary? And he says, yeah. And he says, come here, kid. He opens the trunk of his car and it's full of guns. And he said, kid, pick up a gun. Now, if you want to, if you want to die, okay, at the hands of the FBI, pick up a gun, kid. I'm not, have I ever said to pick up a gun? Have I ever said anything like that on this podcast? No, I don't believe in it. I don't have a gun. I don't want to give the FBI a license to kill me. This is culture wars. This is a war that's fought in your mind. It has nothing to do with guns. And so I don't care whether the FBI records this. I don't care if they, whatever you want to do, broadcast it as far as you want, because I'll say it all over again, because this is what I believe. It's consistent with the Catholic faith. And this is what we need to talk about now. And if you're going to go after me for that, well, good luck, fellas. You're not going to win.
3: Okay, on Cozy from hate for the left uh, question. Uh, Tucker just called uh, Biden a dictator in his latest tweet. Does God care if America is run by a dictator?
0: Well, well, dictator is is a a 20th century term that was created to demonize people like uh, Franco and Salazar uh, who were Catholic leaders. Uh, who didn't, uh, you know, who fought, uh, did not uh, participate in the great crusade against uh, Nazism and so on and so forth. So it's a loaded term. It's a loaded term. Do you believe that? uh, So the Catholic Church says that it's not going to baptize any particular form of government. All forms of government have their uh, advantages and disadvantages, including monarchy, which was the, the preferred form of government in Europe for centuries. Okay, it's never going to work in America. We've never had that type of thing here, but to to turn that into uh, some monarchy was it the king? Was the king a dictator? It's a loaded term, and so you're never going to get anywhere uh, if you try to base an argument on loaded terms. Uh,
3: from Alex, or yeah, Alex, great uh, question, Dr. Jones. Was the NS financial system kind of the, uh, an, an ideal one, not backed by gold, but by labor?
0: NS, you mean the Nazi, the National Socialist? Uh, the answer to that question is, uh, as I said, there's, there's no ideal system, okay? But what Hitler did during the 1930s was he brought Hjalmar Schacht back as his finance minister. He had been finance minister during the great inflation of the 1920s. Uh, Schacht then uh, was presented with the task of basically restoring the German economy. This is the middle of the depression, worldwide depression, without an ounce of gold available. No one would lend Hitler any gold. And so he did it. He pulled off one of the greatest feats in economic history by simply issuing uh, paper, based on the future labor of the United of the of the German uh, country of Germany, as guaranteed by the leader who at that time was Adolf Hitler. That's all you need to do. It's credit. What is money? It's credit based on future labor. It is not gold. Uh, a gold-based currency. Again, go to my book, uh, Barren Metal, you'll see the whole story of the rise and fall of the gold standard, why it cannot work, and why uh, Hjalmar Schacht uh, was one of the greatest economic thinkers uh, in history.
3: From Kingfish AF, always like to hear from Kingfish here. Uh, Would splitting the FBI into smaller agencies decentralize their power or create more corruption?
0: The FBI has no reason to exist. It never had a reason to exist. It was always the federal uh, Stasi, the thought police. It should be abolished completely there's no reason law enforcement should be a local operation let's I mean uh, so you say oh well what about the era of the internet what about blah 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 well you know well they're not doing anything to solve the real problems on the internet they're all involved up to their eyeballs in entrapment schemes basically proposed to them by the ADL and the SPLC I even I it looks as if they kicked the SPLC out this is what the had Uh, dinner with a guy from the FBI who told me that the main problem in the FBI is knowing whether you're dealing with real intel or bullshit. Well, they all realized that the SPLC is nothing but bullshit and they kicked them out. Well, apparently they're coming back in. This is the legacy of Merrick Garland. You can't have someone like that in charge of law enforcement. Cannot have it. And and, and if you do, you're going to have uh, Jewish criminals getting off free and Catholic pro-lifers going to jail for uh, being protesting against the Jewish sacrament of abortion. So uh, I think uh, the whole thing needs to be abolished. Now, who's going to do it? Who's going to put the bell on the cat? John F. Kennedy came to the conclusion that the CIA uh, had to be broken up into a thousand pieces. And we know what happened to him.
3: From Dave in Texas. Question. Uh, why does the massive porn industry continue to operate under the radar in America?
0: I don't, I don't know what you mean by under the radar. It's all over the place. Okay, let me cut to the chase here. The most significant uh, problem, porn problem distributor is Twitter right now. Uh, I, this was before uh, Musk took it over. Uh, there was a guy named Yoel Roth, a Jew who was in charge of some weird thing like safety. Uh, he was uh, defending child pornography. when When Musk came in, I was aware of this. I checked on all of those sites and pornography had disappeared. It had disappeared. Now you had ladies in their underwear or ladies in bikinis advertising their OnlyFans page. And as far as I'm concerned, that's fine. Okay. Musk makes money selling the ads. And if you want to go watch that lady take off her clothes, that's that's your business. But that changed. And now it's back with a vengeance. It's one of the biggest distributors of pornography. And the vicious, the pernicious thing about this is you never know when it's going to show up you can do an innocent search and suddenly there it's 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 glare it this is this has got to stop is elon musk listening all the people who have interviewed him with all of their stupid questions why is pornography still part of twitter that's the question that trump uh, uh, musk has to answer
3: from juan diego uh, dr jones people who waste their time on homosexual life what is the best way to uh, be redeemed from their sins
0: uh you're redeemed by the grace of god and and the the optimism that we all have uh in this regard the moral optimism is based on uh jesus christ who died for our sins and uh, instituted the catholic church and created as the vehicle for for salvation and the specific vehicles in that catholic church are called the sacraments and one of the sacraments is confession first of all if you're not baptized you have to become baptized to be a member of that church to take advantage of this and then after that once you're baptized you can uh, receive holy communion which is the bread of life which will keep you going it's lembas waybred in Tolkien's Lord of the Rings that's what it is it keeps you going when otherwise you would have failed in your quest okay and the other thing that keeps you going is confession where you can confess your sins now I have a just did a piece long piece on Nathaniel Hawthorne which ties together my entire intellectual life because 50 oh, about 50 years ago maybe 45 years ago I was writing a dissertation on Nathaniel Hawthorne for my PhD at Temple University And the big question there was, uh, why was Hawthorne melancholy at the end of his life? Well, I know now why. It's because God took him to, not only to, this is a man who grew up in New England villages, where a church was a clapboard white building with plain windows and no altar. And suddenly God, he wrote the uh, campaign biography for uh, Franklin Pierce, who was his classmate at Bowdoin. Pierce becomes president he rewards Hawthorne by making him consul in Liverpool he earns enough money there to take his entire family to Rome shows up there in the late 1850s he had never seen anything like this before so the other strain that it ties together is beauty the book i did on beauty the dangers of beauty beauty is a transcendental beauty puts you in the presence of god and that's exactly what happened to hawthorne he walked into, God brought him not only to Rome, he brought him to St. Peter's Basilica. He brought him inside all the way up to the confessional. Pro lingua anglia. He could have gone to confession in English because there's a priest in there. And that's exactly what happens in his fictional account in the Marble Fawn, the last novel he wrote. Hilda goes to confession. That's the basis of our optimism. I'm trying to say to people in a hopeless situation, like the people in Ireland and Germany, you know, there is hope because our hope is in the Lord. If you have checked out from going to church of the, the salvific effect of the Catholic church, you're, it's hopeless. <laughs> you're not going, you, there's, it's a hopeless situation, but with God, there's always hope. And that's for individuals as well. And so if you have this homosexual inclination, you can overcome it. You may not end up getting married and having children, but you can overcome the temptation to act on that inclination and you can lead a successful life and you can go to heaven if you follow God's plan.
3: All right, it's uh, eight minutes past six. Dr. Jones, one or two more?
0: One, one, one two more. Two more.
3: All right. Uh, from Mark Newcomb, Dr. Jones, what is your favorite movie?
0: Galaxy Quest.
3: And why is that?
0: It's a great movie. It's, a, it's, it's not, it's, it's just a great movie. He really did a good job there. It was one of the good things that Hollywood did. Now, I mean, I you know, maybe it's not my favorite movie, but I think it's a good movie.
3: All right. Uh, from Catulus, uh question, uh, will any country who goes against the international financial system face a brutal war on it?
0: Well, that's what happened. Yeah, so far. That's what happened to Libya when Gaddafi was threatening to create a gold-backed dinar, Hillary Clinton uh, swooped down and killed him. She murdered him. And then she and her feminist friends laughed about it. We we came, uh, we saw he died. (laughs) They thought that was funny. That's the type of monster that Hillary Clinton is. Anyway, yeah, that's uh, that's the story right now, but uh, it looks as if there's one country where it's not going to happen, and that country is Russia. And it looks to me as if uh, the Ukraine is going to lose this war. So all bets are off, don't, don't invest your money with Larry Fink, Fink at BlackRock, who's going to take over the country when Zelensky wins, because he's not going to win. It's not going to go that way.
3: All right, there we are. Thanks again, everybody. Uh, this is uh, EMJ Live. is every Friday at 5 Eastern Standard Time. Um, make sure you subscribe to Culture Wars Magazine at culturewars.com. May issue's out. Uh, and all of Dr. Jones' books can be found on fidelitypress.org. And obviously subscribe to The Cozy. Follow us on Telegram if you're not. Bit Shoot Gap, all those. I don't have any uh, announcements in any way, shape, or form. So what do you, what do you got for us, Doc?
0: See you next week
3: right well, we'll see you guys next week god bless